Welcome, friends and fiends. This is your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. And I'm here to tell you about an exciting giveaway that Warner Brothers Discovery and Colton Classic Films LLC has put together to build your 4K Ultra HD film collection on digital. We are giving away four codes which contain digital 4K Ultra HD versions of Rebel Without a Cause, Maltese Falcon, and Cool Hand Luke. These are films that you absolutely must know as a film buff. You can get this code by being one of the lucky four people we pull from our newsletter list. So go to coltonclassicfilms.com slash newsletter and give us your email and your name and we'll sign you up for the newsletter and we will enter you in the competition. That's all you got to do. So please go ahead and do that. The contest ends on April 30th and we will send out the winning codes on May 1st. Thank you so much for being a listener. And here's your episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast. Welcome to Colton Classic. <laughs> Welcome, friends and fiends, to another episode of Colton Classic Podcast, the podcast where we normally talk about two thematically linked films, one mainstream and one cult, but we break that trend during the holiday season, uh, the month of December, we bring you holiday flicks, uh, a veritable feast of them. And these are flicks that are off the beaten path, most people may not be familiar with. So we wanna uh, help you expand your holiday movie lexicon. As your host, I am Nate Wyckoff, film critic and comedian. And with me, I have a good friend and longtime contributor, Tad Mastriani. How are you doing, Tad? You gave me the greatest Christmas gift of all, a Hanukkah movie. A Hanukkah movie. That's right. Uh, full disclosure, we are doing a film that is Hanukkah themed. Uh, we Neither of us are Jewish. Um, I That is a limitation. So we certainly... At least will. that we know of. That's true. I, I mean, there, there's plenty in the family, uh, but there's uh, no practicing Judaism on the panel today. Uh, but... Uh, so we're going into this from a strictly Gentile perspective, uh, uh, but there's lots to talk about with this movie. Uh, I'm excited to talk about this movie. Uh, this is 2019's Hanukkah. Now, the spelling that they chose was the H-A-N-U-K-K-A-H, if you were trying to find this film. And uh, I, we'll, we'll get into it, but the plot uh, is actually fairly standard for a horror film it is a hanukkah themed slasher film uh there is a mysterious uh hasidic individual or someone who thinks they are hasidic uh jew who is uh sort of killing whoever he thinks are quote-unquote bad jews meaning they're not following uh rabbinic law and uh it is a bit of a throwback uh, in many ways to sort of the 80s slasher film vibe um, but there's also a lot of other influences in there there's just so much to talk about because some things i think really work some things have a lot of promise but sort of fall a little bit and then other things i just i don't think work at all but um but i will start off to say i did i do think this is worth a look there seriously is a lack of non sort of hallmarky hanukkah films um i feel like hanukkah films fall into one of two categories generally either the sort of family happy like look we can have a, a hanukkah themed uh simple hallmark rom-com doesn't have to be christmas uh and then there's the other one which is the we're going to teach you about hanukkah film uh the instructional film um and you know you, you go to hallmark for one you go to pbs for the other and there's nothing wrong with those inherently but I think it's sort of a, 
a disservice uh, to our Jewish loved ones that there aren't more uh, Hanukkah and, and Jewish themed films of other types. Uh, it's sort of the lack of diversity really makes it so you end up with a lot of stock Jewish characters and films just like any other uh, marginalized group and, and that's never a great thing. That said, this film intends to be quite blasphemous. Uh, I think it's probably more blasphemous to Russians than it is to uh, Jewish people. Um, but yeah, let, we'll, we'll get into Tad's losing it over there on, on mute. Uh, <clears throat> but, but let's get right into it. So Tad, uh, I'm gonna first say there's two official posters that I was able to locate for this film uh, from my, my Way Pictures, I think is the name of the production company. Yes. Uh, one of them is called, one of them, the tagline is, a torrifying new tale of horror, which is, of course, tons of wordplay. And uh, then the other poster is a, a sort of take on the original Friday the 13th film poster, and uh, its tagline is dreidel to the grave. So right away, they do kind of tell us what, what sort of movie this is going to be. Uh, it's, it's very tongue-in-cheek. Uh, it's actually filmed visually in a way that you would expect from a much different movie. Uh, it's very stark, very high contrast, um, like an Olaf Ittenbach, German gore film sort of vibe uh, visually, uh, or, or the 2013 Evil Dead uh, reimagining, that sort of thing. Uh, but really, it is definitely a very slasherific sex comedy, almost, sex, sex teen romp. Um, but what did you expect going into this movie, and what's your takeaway now that you've actually seen Hanukkah? This is one of the first times where, do I have to say it again, I don't research these movies ahead of time. I like to be surprised. And by that, I like to um, ream Nathan out for uh, giving me either trauma or, or a terrible experience every time I go through this. <laughs> but this is one of those, I got exactly what I expected. I expected this movie to be absolutely a tongue-in-cheek horror comedy that exercised stereotypes at every given moment and it did it delivered on every fucking level i could have possibly imagined when i heard divisive i was like i don't understand how a horror film about hana can can be divisive and the only thing i could think of is there were people who who took this too seriously and forgot that the whole point was kind of just to poke fun because that's generally what happens by the way i love um <laughs> we are an internet podcast and there's nothing like getting a movie about hanukkah so we can talk about jews on the internet this is this is just perfect yeah we're joining the fold um and and thank god it, we're we're not that other kind of podcast that talks no, about jews on the internet but um I, and again, listeners, for all of our, because I know we have uh, a plethora of, of listeners of all different religions uh, and, and ways of life and paths and all that sort of thing, write to us. Let us know what you think. If you, if you are uh, Jewish, either practicing or uh, historically in your family, and you have a particular take on this movie, please let us know. I would absolutely, I'm fascinated to know. Um, so this movie... <laughs> So I just, I don't know. Take it away, Nate. I don't even know where to start. Um, so Explain the movie it. opens, first off, this movie for cult, especially cult horror buffs, has an insane number of sort of cameos and bit parts. 
for uh, people of who will recognize. Let's just go through the list really quick. Uh, Sid Haig, of course, uh, who was in Spider Baby and the Rob Zombie films up until his death in 2019, House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Reject, blah, blah, blah. He was also, I mean, I mean, he's been in everything. He was in Kill Bill. He was in Diamonds Are Forever. Um, just very recognizable. Uh, he plays the uh, original sort of, perpetrator of the Hana, they call him the Hana killer, uh, which is very pleasing to the to the palate to say. Um, and he is sort of this modern day Isaac, it opens in 1983. Uh, he's he the, the opening cinematography is fantastic. He's, um, he's like strips his clothes off, you know, he's very old at this point in real life. So he's kind of he looks emaciated. He's older he has these long, white locks, uh, very haggard looking. And he's clearly, he's putting a severed head on a rack of severed heads and he's lighting another uh, candle uh, on the, um, why is my brain? Menorah. Thank you, the menorah, uh, which marks the, the passage of days through Hanukkah. And um, he then goes upstairs and what appears to be his wife uh, is, is chained in a bath, a gore-filled bathtub and is played by uh, another legend, Coraline Williams um 10 to midnight uh uh excuse me 10 minutes to midnight anyway then he goes to kill his son uh who by the way is i don't know when he would have fathered this child but uh, i can guess maybe his 70s um but anyway uh and the police come in and shoot him and stop him uh this is not a spoiler alert it's very obvious from the beginning that we jump forward to, to current times like 2019 ish and that boy has grown up and has taken on his father's mission of killing quote unquote bad Jews. And the, the logic behind it is unimportant, but it's basically that uh, his father heard voices and received additional, um, uh, additional tenets of the faith. So he's, he's operating under these additional tenets that are not canonical, if you can use that word to, to speak to Judaism, but they're not official. Uh, and so, so they allow him to do things like kill people and touch a dead body, things that uh, traditionally would be forbidden uh, for someone following the Jewish faith to the letter. <clears throat> so this is, it, the opening is very well shot. Um, Sid Haig does a good job uh, playing Judah, this, this sort of older crazed killer. Caroline Williams, of course, um, is, is screaming nude in a bathtub covered in gore. It's right up her alley. Um, she really does specialize in that these days and more power to her, she's good at it. Um, then we also get, later on, we get PJ Souls, uh, who is, uh, people will recognize um, from a lot of work as uh, was Linda in the original Halloween. Um, was Norma and Carrie. Uh, she was also in The Devil's Rejects with Sid Haig. So she's been in a million things. She plays uh, the mom of one of the characters. We also have um, uh, Dick Miller, who has been in, when I say Sid Haig has been in everything, Dick Miller literally has been in everything. I cannot imagine how many bit parts he's had. And for horror fans, we're talking Howling, uh, Gremlins, Terminator. Uh, I know Terminator's not technically a horror film, um, but it's just, you you will see him at the end of the film in his small role and as a rabbi and you'll be like, oh, it's, it's that guy, even if you don't know, his name is Dick Miller. Uh, interestingly, these are also, uh, this film is Dick Miller's and Sid Haig's last film to be released with them in it before they're uh, or actually after they're passing but uh the last film to be released to feature them and there's just there's tons of other people that can be recognized 
Um, everyone in here pretty much is a modern actor. Caleb Thomas has had done a lot of Nickelodeon stuff. Um, just a really interesting mix of people. That said, I don't think it means that the acting is always stellar. We get some stellar performances from specific people, uh, as mentioned, Sid Haig is fantastic. Um, uh, 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 Carolyn Williams is fantastic. PJ Souls does her job well. Um, but there's some others that I think are, are not quite so great. If you look at the billing of this movie, it lists Charles Flesher as uh, the lead character. That's ridiculous. Um, there, it, this, is, this is a multi-character piece, but it's really Robert Felstead Jr. is very much uh, the lead in this. Uh, he, he's, you probably have seen him if you watch a lot of TV. He had a bit part in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, he has been in a couple of cult films from Dusk Till, bon Till Bong, which is currently filming. Um, Why am I not surprised? Yeah, It Wants Blood uh, from 2019. It, it, a lot of strange straight to streaming uh, films, but that's not uh, you know college humor, that sort of thing. Um, but I, I feel that that's appropriate. You know, Darlene's boyfriend in uh, Roseanne, who of course has gone on to great success in, in Big Bang Theory, he plays that character uh, to a T and even looks the part. Um, I will say this, he does have stilted dialogue, and this is where I need to, full disclosure, guys, uh, My Way Films, please, My Way Pictures, please send us a replacement copy. We actually didn't get a review copy of this film. We purchased this film, and the Blu-ray is wildly out of sync uh, by the end of the film. What's strange about this particular situation is that it's not out of sync right away. It's just slowly drawn out. So about 20 minutes in, you're like, the sound is really out of sync. And then by the end, I think Taggy said like you started a five second delay. Brutal five second plus desync. And it, subtitles didn't help. And it's it, rough. It was, it was a rough watch. I watched it all the way through because this was absolutely worth it. I actually would love to watch it again with synced audio so that I can... I agree. Get that full experience There's, especially with you know dialogue you think would be the biggest problem but it's actually folly sounds that are sometimes the hardest to really work yeah. with because splats and like footsteps and breathing and coughing anything like that it's sort of it's extra weird because you can expect oh they said something and then you hear it but with the sounds you don't always know what where they're supposed to go so it totally throws off uh the human brain never mind that there are so many jokes in this movie that when the when the sound is desynced your brain has a really hard time getting the punchline because you hear the joke and there's something happening on screen and you realize you're you're way off yeah yeah so um that that's neither here nor there um except for my way pictures uh please Go ahead, uh, reach out to us, uh, coltonclassicpodcast at gmail.com and uh, our Instagram handle, coltonclassicpodcast. Send us a new copy, please. We would like to watch it again. And that's a great compliment. Now, I've said a lot of conflicting information. You know, the acting is sometimes great, sometimes not great. Uh, we watched it with incredible sound desyncing. Um, the humorous tone is sometimes uh, juxtaposed with really um, stark, quote unquote, highbrow cinematography. Um, but at its heart, this is, as we said, it's sort of a scene, uh, sex teen comedy uh, where there's um, lots of topless women. There's lots of full frontal female nudity as well. And I'd say about 50% of it in this movie is not when they're covered with blood and gore, although that is definitely prevalent. 
And then um, it has a lot of like dumb penis jokes. Yes, somebody uses like a, a, a decorative a dreidel as a, a phallus and wanders through the ha a house with it. Basically a bunch of young people, probably in their 20s, or supposed to be in their 20s, go to a house party that really sucks. And they end up getting stranded there because the uh, Hana killer follows them there, slashes their tires and then picks them off one by one. There's some other characters. There's like one of them is a missing cousin of one of the characters. It doesn't really matter. You don't really care. In fact, I'm actually going to say it. There are several times we're shown dead people in this movie, and I don't know which character they were. Uh, I'm like, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Um, it wasn't super clear. And when you strip away their costuming, like is that most of the dead people are nude in this movie. I'm like, I don't I don't know who this is. It doesn't it's irrelevant. most of the characters didn't matter. True, true. That's the pro. That that's I think that's my biggest problem with this movie is that there were a few characters that I really actually enjoyed, um, uh, and there were so many where at some, especially with desync, this just made it harder. Mm -hmm. um, something would happen, and I'm like, who the fuck just died? I don't know who's dead. Um, yeah. I know yeah. when Judy died because Judy, I think, was my favorite character throughout the film. Is she the tattooed in character? She's the punk girl. Yes, played by uh, Louise Rosalma. Rosalma. Yeah. Rosalma. Anyway, I apologize for butchering your name. Yeah, she. I actually really the characters that you end up liking are her character and Robert Felsa Jr.'s character because even though they're both schmucks and they're sort of amoral like just vagabond like uh, users, they, they have both this really acknowledge it. And they have this really great friendship. Like they're, they spend time together. And like at one point, and she's a lesbian character and, and he's not, you know, he's a straight male character, we assume. And like at one point she's in a thong asleep next to him and there's no creepy moment. I mean, the camera being there is mildly creepy, but there's no creepy moment where his character like leans over and does something gross. It, it's just, it was like, oh, we actually get to see like this, this nice sort of real world friendship um in the midst of this insanity and of course she gets it worse because she has tattoos and the killer peels her tattoos off since they are in it uh you know are, are um against uh, rabbinic law but i want to touch on the, the gore there as well because i've i think the ratings in if you look at most review sites for this film they rate nudity and gore quite high i'm gonna maybe push back on the gore a little bit there is extreme gore it's not to the level where I would, it's, this is not an Ely Roth film. Like, I, I don't really think it's realistic enough to, it's not Olaf Ittenbach, as I mentioned earlier. Like, the, the, the level of technicality to it is not so much that it is really discomforting to the experienced horror film buff. Um, and also, and this could be a limitation of the application of the effects, such as uh, when Judy's character is being skinned alive, which should be really horrifying. No one really reacts with the appropriate level of like horror and violence and 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 fight that would happen in this situation which really doesn't make it feel particularly uh stressful um we, we it's kind of it's more like uh in the friday the 13th vein like we know these people are going to die um and so you're just kind of like okay well move on let's see the next bit um, there, there's the jokes. If you're talking about the jokes, um, they range from clever wordplay to, to, to actually a couple of smart jokes to straight up uh, sophomore garbage humor, which is intentional. Dong, dong, dong jokes for like 
it yeah. feels like 10 minutes straight which i'm a fan of dong jokes but it's like okay you need to mix up the dong jokes with something else for a second yeah the, the and also we open with um uh uh, uh cunnilingus on your period like skit scene um which again okay but um it really the the comedic punch isn't necessarily there and uh there's 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 some other moments where there's they're humorous but which are some of my favorites where they're humorous but in sort of a like haha that's weird way like where uh, the haunted killer has killed uh, a neo-nazi skinhead who has a large um swastika tattooed on the back of his skull and he cuts the skull off peels the tattoo off and then wears it as a yarmulke for the rest of the film and it's it's it was fucking fantastic it is it is it's and it's it's amusing um the so what sort of i mean if you were to say if somebody asked you why do you why should i watch film why do you like this film what would you sum it up as because I think we've mentioned a lot of things that would be a lot of no's for a lot of people. People who know me the best would be like, Tad likes this movie because it has a bunch of stupid jokes and tits. But honestly, this movie has more to offer than I think. Like, the posters don't accurately depict what this movie is. This movie is literally, like, to me, a combination of killer pinata in some of its, like, very sophomoric humor but it also reminds me obviously of house of a thousand corpses in the whole wink wink nudge nudge we know that we're doing an homage movie mm -hmm. but it did enough to be creative where i really appreciated it the monologue at the end mm -hmm. actually i should say there are there is a monologue and a speech no it's not a monologue it's actually an argument remember um what's his face i i cannot remember his name the main character Robert Felsted Adam is his name. Thank, is thank the character's you. Name. Adam and the killer are actually having a basically a religious philosophical debate. <laughs> yeah, that's actually over... my favorite moment. It was fantastic. It was it was you know it's the whole you think that the main character is kind of sort of gonna win with facts and logic, and then you're like, wait a minute, this is a horror film. He's just going to get killed. But he he presents the argument, and it's clear that everyone involved in the movie did their research and understands pieces of the torah to be able to make comments about it and never mind that um on the other hand they did the exact goddamn same thing that killer pinata does where they introduce the random character that's like the the <laughs> yeah. older like seasoned like i've been chasing this killer for a long time that basically ends up going fucking nowhere it doesn't fucking matter uh <laughs> Yeah, so I and and I will say, Killer Pinata had it over this film where the character they introduced was a strong-willed old woman with a hook hand, you know, and so that really gives you that moment. Whereas um, this one, it's not. It's just a a, a a guy who says he's a rabbi and it's not. He doesn't have any. In fact, I actually, it's not. It's not the actor's fault. He just the scenes didn't work for me with him because um, he kind of just talks at the people. His dialogue doesn't match with anyone. Um, it's and all he has exposition. This, yeah, That's all and, he, it is. and when it is an exposition, is when he find they find one of the survivors. Um, the the I think it's the cousin of one of the other characters, but it doesn't really matter. Um, and he tells her like he gets the information of where the killer's hiding, but he says it to her like a hundred times in a hundred different ways, like to tell him, 
and the things he says doesn't make any sense at one point like he's like um he's like it's okay you're safe now a hospital's or an ambulance is on the way the police are coming that makes sense um where's the killer and then at one point he says something like next he's like um you can tell me like it sounds like he's like you can tell me i'm your friend you're like what are you talking about like what this this woman is chained first off could you unchain her from the ceiling um that didn't make any sense but <laughs> but it, it was really irrelevant um i do think i also thought heavily of killer pinata when i saw this movie um the main difference being killer pinata is very strong in its tone the whole way. There is no like super serious visual elements or moments, whereas which which I think works on a more it's it's easier to to attain that level and stick with it and have it be successful to some level. Where when you try and jump between like like actual sp spookiness and goofiness, you can kind of struggle bust it sometimes. Uh, <laughs> it didn't really bother me that much in, in Hanukkah. But it is one of those things where, as you said, the House of a Thousand Corpses, they really try and go for like, like that character that he's, he's, uh, he's questioning over and over again at the end. At one point, like she is, she's trapped in a pit. And I like this touch. She's in a pit. And the killer is just watching her because it's the Sabbath. He won't do anything. He won't move. So she escapes. This is one of those ridiculous moments that you really, when you're making a film, you kind of do have to think about these things. She chews off her thumb so she can fit out of the, the arm restraints. Why did she chew off both her thumbs? Why not just one? Why don't you just leave the other one on? Is that, was that really like she chewed one off and it was so okay that she just like, I'm going to do the other one. Uh, it didn't make any sense. Um, but then, you know, she escapes and gets caught in like a bear trap. And then we don't even see her get recaught. I don't know if it was a different thing in the script. It doesn't, it really doesn't matter. We don't really care that much because that's so separate from the rest of the movie. That's, you notice how many times we've said that now? It, yeah, it is true. We don't really care about a lot of the stuff, um, but there is enough interest happening. That said, this film, and this is such a common thing for our, for our film criticisms, but it's also any film criticism, is the film is an hour and 46 minutes. It should be an hour and 10, hour and 15 Seriously. minutes. There, um, I noticed, especially with desync, there are times when there is just huge pauses between yes. lines that did not need to be there. There wasn't like a dramatic tension. There wasn't uh, a suspense thing. It was just, they're just letting dead silence sit there while the mm -hmm. camera's just looking at people. And I'm like, you could have cut probably 20 minutes of the film total by just kind of shortening that a bit. I also would have loved some um, a stronger device. Like the actual, except for the end conversation, which I did like where um, Adam's character like confronts the killer in the room where he's just killed his best friend and two other friends are chained to the wall. And like, he actually, he confronts him and then his like plan of attack is to argue um judaic law and scripture <laughs> with him um and i really loved that moment and it worked I and i actually liked the touch i liked the touch that he actually like adam goes to his friend checks finds out she's dead and starts to cry and the killer puts the skull yarmulke on his head and it almost seems to be a moment i mean you should hide your head right but it almost seems to be a moment where he's like you've redeemed yourself like you are okay you're good you and then 
Um, and then when he takes the yarmulke off, then the killer kills him. And I, I wonder if that was intentional, that it was a sort of like, you have proven that you do understand and you can you can change your way and follow the rabbinic path. And then, um, oh, you took your yarmulke off. So you clearly are, you, you lost the chance I gave you. And I kind of liked that moment if that was intentional that way. The other thing is, as you said, that the, the killer wins in this particular one. The ending doesn't matter because they introduce a character at the very end that we don't care about who's related to somebody else. It's just to have Dick Miller give sort of a, a rambling speech. Um, Which was great. It was good. And also, I love that speech. Well, it's a, yeah, because it's like so many of, um, well, I've only had a couple, probably two instances where I've actually seen a, a rabbi, you know, uh, I don't know what you would call, it, but if you is Christianity sermonize, right, where they actually um, teach uh, to to a group, and in that case, in those cases, they are it's much different than what I grew up at in like a Southern Baptist church, right? It is not the fire and brimstone. It's not that way at all. It's more of sort of like he says rabbis can't do everything there's lots of other people you could go to instead of a rabbi a doctor is going to have better medical advice than a rabbi a psychiatrist is going to have better you know memories but but you know you can come to your rabbi and and that's not you know we're here to be here sort of like right like we're here to be present and and it's just it was a nice it's just a different thing than uh the if they'd had a, a Catholic sermon up there, it'd be a very different experience. And I liked that as well. Again, it didn't really matter. Wait a um, minute, Nathan, what Catholic sermons have you been to lately? Lately? None. Yeah. I have not been since they changed, but I have been to Catholic sermons before. I dated Catholic. Remember, yeah. Stephanie was Catholic uh, and I'm throwing it out there. But um, yes, so uh and they are they are long i filmed a catholic wedding that was attached to a catholic mass that was a multi-tape endeavor <laughs> it really was um anyway uh and and the the priest who was officiating it uh had flatulence into the microphone of one of the groomsmen during the ceremony it was quite something uh it was it was quite oh, the party it was like harold and kumar go to catholic mass it was crazy so anyway Back to Hanukkah 2019. Um, <clears throat> I, it's interesting that with all these criticisms, it's still an entertaining movie. Um, it doesn't take itself extremely serious. And I want to say too, while I'm not 100% sold on the, the visual, the way it's filmed, it's very, it's very in vogue, but at the same, of the time, but it, at the same time, it made every scene look like it was in the killer's basement. <laughs> instead of just the scenes where you're actually watching someone be tortured in a killer's basement. Um, and, and we didn't need that and it made everything very dark. And it also added to the fact then that I didn't totally recognize all the characters at, at any given time. Um, also the characters, you don't really care that they're getting killed for the most part because most of them are just garbage humans. Um, the, there's one character, so there's the good quote unquote uh, for the haunted killers like perspective there's one good jew uh, a black man who's introduced and sort of gets the short end of the stick um but his whole role is weird he doesn't go to the party um because he thinks he's going to go with his girlfriend to her mom's house um uh, for a nice dinner and instead she goes to the party and like has sex with his friend and he thinks that her mom is hitting on him and which is justified because she 
yeah the movie movie basically makes it look like she is and very much if you're going to have dinner with your with your uh hopefully future mother-in-law she would not do the hand crawly thing to you i'm sorry yes it's it's played for laughs um and that's pj (laughs) souls plays the mother um and it, it it you know it's fine um it's not totally unwelcome but then he of course he hasn't had sex before marriage and he also um won't won't drive to get them uh from the party on the sabbath so he's trying to obey um some of these stricter tenants and um his friends of course who are also jewish or not and so at the end he's rewarded by the killer and given a bunch of gold pieces and um it's just it's a very strange everyone else though is pretty terrible um we know that the two the lead and um his his uh judy the the lesbian character are both amoral you wouldn't necessarily say i don't think that they're they're monstrous people but they're amoral they really don't but they have great lines they do um and so you know they're the they're the bill murray's of the moment right like they're sort of forgiven because we're entertained um and then you have um rachel that for some reason all the cast wants to have sex with and she is obnoxious unlikable um princess i i don't understand that character at all like except for the fact that it's the character that oh well she's going to die at some point so that's the movie's telling us that um (laughs) then we get other characters who seem like the killer i guess one of my issues that could have been remedied fairly easy the killer's motives are obvious but the intricacies of why and when he kills are not fleshed out and they're never given any sort of motive like people who may or may not be jewish are killed um like the the guy who hosts the party his sister is killed off screen for we don't know why because she's just come home and these weird partiers have stolen a couple of her outfits and are sleeping in her bed um and she's mad at them for that understandably so and she's killed. We don't know what she's doing. If she's doing something wrong, uh, there's no indication of that. Also, it's a little unclear as to why all of his victims have to be nude. Uh, and uh, but hey, whatever. That's to the benefit of the of the schlock genre. Um, so good for them. I agree. I feel like that was a huge miss because I was under the. Un- to be fair, watching the movie i realized that i absolutely had no idea who was supposed to be jewish and who wasn't like people will talk mm. but it's not like i had no idea that judy was actually jewish because she doesn't really talk about it and and it, she has a cross tattoo in the corner yeah, of her eye like it, basically it's i thought it was a missed opportunity and I'm, i think that's where you're going right is the idea that the killer should only have to be going after if he's really going after bad Jews, then he would only kill the characters that are Jewish. So it wouldn't make sense to kill the random Russian guy. There are three Russian characters um, in the, I believe they actually say they're Russian, right? Cause they could be Ukrainian if it's not. I, but, uh, what's okay, they seem I'm, like, they seem like B extras off. They got like cut out of John wick. Like, you know, they're, <laughs> they're not a, uh, they're, they're pretty heavy stereotypes. Um, down to the Adidas uh, jumps jumpsuits, which, uh, to be fair, I was wearing my Adidas workout pants while watching this movie, which uh, was very appropriate. Yeah, I was saying I was eating an apple at one point when uh, the lead character was tossing an apple around. I was like, this is weirdly meta. Um, yeah, so, I mean, the gold, multiple gold chains, the, um, uh, uh, you know, ribbed undershirt with open tracksuit vest, 
Um, Boris and Natasha comment. Boris and Natasha comment. The the, uh, the heavy accents. Um, and so we have these. Do we have Peter? I think it's Peter. I don't know the other one's name. Is it Ivan? I think Ivan. 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 Peter and uh, Nina. Nina, I think it's killed, and we see her naked on a table or something. But I don't know if that's her. It's it, impossible to tell at some point. Like every uh, body just becomes a streak on the floor. I also am just gonna. St- I mean, I have. There's no problem with, um, you know, people. You know, if you want to be nude in a movie or anywhere, that's totally fine by me. It's not a, you know, more power to you. But it is interesting that I think every single woman in this film, except for um, PJ Souls, is nude. Uh, at least topless, uh, or if not more, in this film. Um, and that's a little unusual in general. Uh, they really did seek to get the high nudity. And this is one of the rare ones, too, where the nudity quotient is higher than the violence quotient. A lot of people are covered in grime. Um, that is also the one of my complaints a little bit, is I, I really get tired of this whole... I think the we look back at the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is a Toby Hooper's original. It's really a fantastic film. It's incredibly well done. It's un, it's unsettling. It's upsetting. It's it seems purposeless in its purpose, um, which makes it all the more harrowing. Uh, and we get used to having a character that becomes more and more soiled in that until the end. She's just covered in blood and filth, and it's really upsetting. And then we get what we have now where it's snowballed and spiraled to where there's just it's form without function right like i don't know why these characters are covered to the extent that they are and at first like is it all blood but then you're like but it's some of it is straight up green i don't know if it's just color correction i don't know what is happening but it looks like everybody crawled out of a a gray water sewage pipe like just (laughs) straight up just covered in filth and it's it's also one of those things that can be used um, when you have a lot of nudity in a film to sort of help a cast member feel less exposed um, and make it sort of, you know, it's it's artistic in a way, uh, which is ridiculous. It could be just as artistic if someone is wearing a clothing. Um, look at the original Alien film. Um, but anyway, it's a little ridiculous. It gets to the point where I'm like, I don't know who I'm looking at anymore. Um, it looks like at a certain point, you're like, this it's torsos it, it's just torsos right i'm like i, I don't like <laughs> like al jolson blackface had less weird makeup spread across his face than some of the characters in this scene <laughs> in these scenes and um and it's it's a lot to take uh and it made it hard to hard to distinguish um it's clear that they grimed up judy's body to hide because i'm fairly sure the actress does not have those tattoos in real life. I also think they're fake, yeah. So, so like, when you're skinning somebody instead of actually, like, putting the effort in to, like, expose the muscle underneath because you kind of have to know how that anatomy looks, you smear it all with grime, sure, and sure. she got skinned. Sure, absolutely. You and, and, you know, they did the classic thing in that case, which I give them credit for it to go into. They had a, a, a sort of a muscle body suit underneath a skin suit which was then peeled off um you could go after technical things like if he's peeling off her tattoos why does he start where there are no tattoos doesn't make any sense uh, but well that's where the bodysuit started friends okay so just give it a break um this is not a high budget p- picture um but it is also one of those where it looks technically good so um aside from the blu-ray authoring where we're five seconds off um audio wise like it's technically good so you kind of when you see something that's that's low budget 
it takes you out of it uh, and you forget because it looks so good otherwise. I do think that the fun aspect of this movie, it does really carry through. Um, as we mentioned, the there are long pauses like that one uh, between a lot of dialogue where if it had been picked up, I don't know if a lot of cast members didn't have the lines memorized, um, which happens, uh, or if it was strict, because some of it I think could have been fixed with a tighter edit. Um, but other times, I mean, you don't want to have a, a cut every single time someone speaks all the time. Uh, so maybe it, it was harder to do, but I think you could have trimmed down a lot. Uh, you also could have trimmed down some scenes in general. I feel like there were moments where I didn't need to see somebody do something. And there were other moments where I needed to see something to understand what was happening. Like we don't see the characters when they get captured. Um, we sometimes see them when they get killed. Not usually. We usually just see a dead body. Um, and I like that the mark of the killer is that he, he cuts a star of David into the chest or stomach of the victim, which they call a scar of David. Um, now that's some club, clever yellow journalism, uh, fictional newspapers. Uh, but, but yeah, I, and the thing I do want to mention too, is the actual look of the Hana killer, they do a great job. With the Hanukkah. like it's so much homage to Halloween and to every single slasher movie we see his shape with the wide brim hat the curly you know locks in the background all the time it's for me it was uh you know what it reminded me of old school Undertaker yeah, totally because of the wide brim hat and the yep. duster and yeah and the, and the curly is like yeah they, they had sure. it nailed yeah no it very much so and it is you know uh, it is appropriately um ominous and i think that visually they could take this character and totally do I, I would i would buy a sequel um i might i might buy the digital version to make sure that it sinks but um i promise that's my last dig uh you know my judy, way was, ra judy was rattling off like clearly they wanted to break the fourth wall and go hey if we had to do some sequels here are the names that we would use yeah uh I, yeah that's true she gives like a whole <laughs> list of um of of Jewish Clever horror movie pun. puns. Yeah. Uh, I want to say too that the I really I, I think that for a sequel it would be great to lean into that uh, scripture that we were talking about because giving a reason I at first I was like okay it's been one day does he kill a victim every day and light the you know, additional day on the menorah um, and it seemed that and for a while I was trying to keep count and it seemed like it would work but then it just it didn't really work I don't know what where he was going what he's doing also um, what is he eating <laughs> you know uh, I don't know um, but I assume it's kosher um, <laughs> They didn't even touch on that, honestly. They didn't, and they could have really gone a uh, 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 whole cow on that. Um, but anyway, who knows? Uh, there's lots of opportunity for future things. Um, I, I think that this is one of those movies where if you look at critical reviews and, fan, and just regular viewer reviews, it is super love it or hate it. People think it's super fun and awesome, or people are like, I can't believe this was Sid Haig and Dick Miller's last role. Uh, what a waste. And I'm like, okay, first off, they, they can do whatever they want because they have made many movies, okay? So they can choose to do whatever project they want. And now they've passed and they have left a massive body of work. So who the hell cares what their last movie was? That said, um, I think that this was an entertaining uh, uh, independent B-movie. 
Um, and so we'll, we'll dive right into the recommendations here. Do I recommend Hanukkah? If you like slashers, if you like um, some, some goofy, fakey teenage titillation with your, um, with your slasher flick, uh, as most of us 80s fans do, then this is right up your alley. Some of the jokes land, many of them don't. There's lots of groaner jokes in there. Um, is, is the acting always top notch? No, but if you get bored or get hooked on one of these three or four minute conversations, don't worry something ridiculous, either uh, nudity or a ridiculous scene of violence will come and that will hold you over. And I think that there's a lot of promise for a future film. I do want to give a shout out to um, the director's previous film uh, is uh, a previous feature length is a shout out to sort of the late wave hammer horror. And it's a, it's a Wolfman sequel. And that was a, a lot of fun. If you really love those movies, it's really entertaining to watch. Um, they, they got the film stock look right, the, the effects right is super fun. So to assume that uh, this film was made tongue in cheek in that 80s style is very, I think, I think we can absolutely assume that 100% knowing that um, previous ventures by the director and writer have been in that sort of homage vein as well. Um, so if you liked uh, Killer Pinata, um, and you're not afraid of something that has a little more graphic violence that's a little bit more realistic and some grit to it, um, then you're going to enjoy this one. If that's a no for you and you really only want to stick with the pinata kills, then just wait for Killer Pinata 2, which is coming from Angry Mule Productions soon. Tad, do you recommend Hanukkah 2019? And if so, why and to who? I absolutely do. Um, this is, this is, <sighs> I'm going to recommend, I, I can't think of an audience that I would recommend this to. This is just one of those, this is absolute, this absolutely fits in with plenty of the schlocky horror films that we've slotted into our rotation where we just go, do you like campy old homage comedy horror? This works great. This now, uh, this movie actually has two of my favorite lines now in movies. One is uh, when after Judy is discovered wearing the uh, other person's clothes and is like, are you wearing my clothes? And she's like, uh, are you drunk and wearing my, my clothes? I can't remember how, how it was set up, but the joke was basically it ends with, well, to be fair, um, I was sober when I put your clothes on and I started drinking after I got in bed. And <laughs> I yep. love the delivery. Her delivery is fantastic with a lot of the jokes. Mm -hmm. My absolute favorite line in this movie, may, which may surprise people is, and maybe it, because it reminds me of the late 90s, because me and my friends spent a lot of time doing this, is where he's like, the, uh, the guy who ran the party is like, you can either eat my jalapeno poppers and shut the fuck up, or you can call a cab and get the fuck out. And he walks out. And I was like, yeah, that line was a fucking He, he was my favorite character, actually. He really was like a sweet cinnamon <laughs> roll. And I was sad that he doesn't make it. Um, uh, he's, like, and he's, he's like a he's like a poor man's Tom Holland. Tom like, Holland, 100 oh. percent Tom Holland. And you can catch him, as I said, uh, on, on some Nickelodeon shows and some other uh, B movies. A lot of fun. Uh, yeah. So that's it for this uh, holiday uh film feast episode of Cult and Classic Podcast. Very excited we got to bring you uh, a Hanukkah film as we approach the start of Hanukkah on December 18th, I believe. So get out your menorah, uh, have get ready to light first candle, and uh, yeah, 
and enjoy some holiday themed Hana killings. And we will come at you next week with another holiday film feast. And I just cannot wait for the next new year because we're going to bring you some more amazing things and always get something new to keep you going. Write your letters, recommendations, hate mail to cultsandclassicpodcast at gmail.com. Write a review wherever you get your podcast to help others find us. And please, please, please subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And you can also go to cultsandclassicpodcast.com and listen there. I am Nate Wyckoff signing out. And as always, we are being played out by The Chud with All About Evil. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me. What's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit Colton Classic.